Hallelujah. Praise God, it's always good that we can come before the presence of God Almighty and hear the Word of God. Amen. Especially in this day, in this age where we have technology and information is easily gotten. Sometimes we get information that helps us, information that makes us laugh, information that abuses us, information that instructs us how to do certain things, but there are certain information that does not really help us. But when we hear the Word of God, we are hearing information from heaven. And anything that we hear from God will always help us. Amen? And as we've heard, uh, as, we've, as we celebrate the Eucharist this day, we have for our theme, uh, having a love for the life that God has given unto us. Having a love or loving the life that God has given unto us. Okay? Now, one of the things we need to realize is that when we talk about Christianity, and we are to live the Christian life, uh, this is not supposed to be a burden. You understand what I'm saying? The Christian life is a life that is free. The Christian life is a life that is miraculous. The Christian life is a life that lives in the favor and in the blessing of God. I remember before when my wife and I, we, we attended a seminar in uh, the cultural center. Okay, and uh, no, not the cultural center. What is the name of the place where we attended that? The Hunters? Convention? Philippine Convention Center, okay? Uh, the Happy Hunters were there. They've, they've gone on to heaven. But they were supposed to be known because of their healing ministry. And uh, it has always been the desire of many people to be able to bring them to the Philippines. But because of their age, one of them, the hunter, one of the hunters said, it's kind of hard for us to travel. So unless you're able to bring a bed on the plane, I cannot travel. At that time, it was Philippine Airlines that offered a bed, especially in their business class. And uh, at that time, the manager of GMA was the, mon was the one who made it possible for uh, Mrs. Hunter to be able to come. And so uh, when, they, when they found out about this, they wanted him to speak a little bit, uh, to give a testimony of his life. It was a nice testimony. But he was basically new in the Christian life and he made a statement. He said, the Christian life is hard. <laughs> and when he said that, the entire room began to react. No, it's not. Hallelujah. No, it's not. Okay. And so he says, well, I don't know. I, he... he he kind of backtracked and he said, well, you know, I still need to learn a lot of things. And that's true. When it comes to the Christian way of living, think about it. When you are a Christian, you are living in the kingdom of God. Amen? If you're not, you are a slave in the kingdom of darkness, which is harder. A slave in the kingdom of darkness or a child in the kingdom of God. Okay? I mean, think about this. Which is harder? Serving God or being forced into forced labor by the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which is harder, being able to come to God and know that you're forgiven, given another chance, or laboring under the guilt of sin and trespasses? The Christian life is not hard, okay? Maybe in the beginning, 
it might seem hard. Why? Because we are used to living the way of the world. Alright? But the moment we begin to learn how to live according to the principles taught to us by Jesus Christ, okay, it's like riding a bike. In the beginning, when you try to uh, uh, balance yourself and run the bicycle and pedal and direct it, in the beginning, it seemed so, it, it might seem difficult because you are coordinating so many movements at the same time, but when you get used to it, you find it's not that hard anymore, right? Well, it's the same thing with a Christian life. Maybe in the beginning, it's kind of hard to walk by faith. You're so used to walking by sight. Maybe in the beginning, it's kind of hard to give thanks to God in the middle of difficulties because you're so used to complaining and murmuring in the middle of difficulties, right? Maybe it, seem, it might seem hard in the beginning because while it is easy to receive forgiveness, it might be that in the beginning, it was difficult for us to give forgiveness to somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe in the beginning, it's like that. But as we continually yield ourselves to God, as we continually yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, as we continually learn about the Word of God and we take these little baby steps of faith, then it stops becoming hard. Amen? It becomes a way of life. It becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle for us. And the problem is not being it hard now, but the problem is because it doesn't come difficult. It's not difficult for us anymore. We sometimes become sloppy in it or lazy. Okay? Because in the beginning, it was like a challenge. We wanted to learn so much from it, but then it started becoming not so difficult, not so challenging. And some people become bored, I don't know why. Okay? I mean, I would rather live in the life that God has given us right now, and I love this life. I love the fact that when we're in trouble, we can call to God, and God will hear and deliver us. I love the fact that when I, you know, when I'm confused, and I don't know which way to turn in the beginning, you know, uh, it's either you find someone who knows and is willing to help you, but now I'm glad I can say, oh God, you, you said that you would guide me. You're my shepherd. You would lead me in the right paths. It's nice to know that you can fall back on God. I mean, this is this kind of life. I will not exchange this for any other. Amen? And so, uh, basically, as we've heard the different readings today, the first reading in the book of Exodus, it, it, it talks about Moses coming to God, leading this people out of Egypt. I mean, these people were slaves. They were not sophisticated. They were not intellectuals. They were not born travelers, okay? They were not warriors. They don't know how to fight, okay? All they knew in their life was to survive because they were slaves in Egypt. But now they were free. And Moses was leading them through the wilderness. And they had the gold of Egypt with them because people gave them the gold. They wanted them out of there. But the problem is they had gold. 
but they had nowhere to spend their gold on. Okay? I mean, you might have millions and millions and millions of pesos with you, or dollars, or dinars, or pounds, or euros. But if you're in the middle of the desert, and there are no ATMs, no supermarkets, no groceries, no stores, you can't eat your money. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? And here they were. And they had needs. And this life shows us, the life of Moses shows us, that the life that God has given us is a life where we are connected to God. They didn't have water. All they could see were rocks. Moses calls to God. God causes water to come out of the rock. I mean, I love that kind of a lot. You understand what I'm saying? And then in the second reading, it tells us that God justifies us. I mean, if you're going to be friends with God, God is righteous, right? Are we? We're not. Okay? And the law tells us the kind of purity and holiness that we should have in God. Today, we hear the long version. I am the Lord your God, shall have no other gods of me. You shall keep holy the Sabbath. But then, during other seasons, we have the summary. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. How many of us are able to do that perfectly? Not many. Right? So how can a righteous God fellowship with unrighteous people? Because according to the law, we are unrighteous. Simple. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, as our representative, as the second Adam. Okay? The first Adam was the representative of mankind. Because he sinned, he sinned, was communicated to everyone. We call that original sin, right? But then Jesus Christ came as the second Adam, born of the Virgin Mary. He had no sin in him, and he rejected every kind of temptation there was. He was able to overcome every temptation there was, and when he went to the cross, he died not with his own sin. He did not commit any. He neither sinned in thought, in word, or in deed. Amen? But then, he, according to the Holy Scriptures, He took our unrighteousness. He took our sins. He bore our sins. Okay? And so that if anyone would say, Lord, I accept what you've done for me, then that righteousness is given to you. Okay? A righteousness we could not have earned with our best efforts. It was, it was a righteousness per, purchased or given to us by Jesus Christ. Now we can fellowship with God. We are righteous before God, not because we earned it. We are righteous before God because we had such perfect good deeds. We are righteous before God because God forgave us in Christ and gave us the gift of righteousness. Now we fellowship with Him. I mean, this is a good life, right? Amen? This is the life that God has given unto us. But there are many people who don't know about this. And so, some of the people who, who have entered into this life don't know enough, and they think that the Christian life 
is hard. No. Being assaulted by the enemy is hard. Being assaulted by the enemy and not knowing what to do, that's hard. You understand what I'm saying? Having many needs facing us and not knowing what to do, where to get our provision, that's hard. Okay? Being uh, in bondage to so many things and not knowing what to do to get delivered, that's hard. But the Christian life where we have a deliverer, we have a healer, we have a provider, how can that be hard? Amen. And so praise be to God, let's go to the lesson which we have today. It's this, learn to love the gift that we have received from him. Learn to love the gift that we have received from him. There are two thoughts I'd like to share with you. We have John chapter 4, verse 5 to 14. The first thought, I'm basing this on verse 5 to verse 9. Okay? His gift is for all. <laughs> His gift is for all. Second thought I'd like to share with you. I'm basing this from verse 10 to verse 14. We must receive his gift to benefit from it. We must receive his gift to benefit from it. Okay? Simple, but sometimes many people make it complicated and they kind of miss it. Okay? We, we need to learn to love the gift that we have received from the Lord our God. Remember, what God gave us is something that he desires to bless us with. Okay? And, you know, we, we, we need to be very clear on this. The Bible very clearly says in the book of James, every good and perfect gift comes from who? From the Father. Amen? Despite the fact that the Word of God is very clear concerning this, there are still some people who think, why is God giving me this problem? Why is God giving me this burden? Why is God giving me this sickness? Why is God giving me this test and this trial? See, you need to understand, okay, who your father is. You need to understand who your friends are. Heaven is a friend to you. God the Father is a friend to you, okay? It is not his desire to make your life painful. It is not his will or desire to make your life hard. Okay? I mean, that's... I mean, think about John 3, 16. For God so... so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish or be destroyed but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God was so frustrated with the world. For God was so annoyed with the world. For God was so irritated by the world. Okay? That's not what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The motivation behind his action is love for you and for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? God loves you and there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less oh yeah sometimes when we intentionally go against his will we can grieve him okay we can stab his heart 
Okay? We can cause him pain, but he will never, ever stop loving us. You understand what I'm saying? You will never hear God say, okay, I still love you, but I don't love you as much anymore. Just a little bit of love. Now, there's nothing we can do, you can do, to make God love you any less. Now, some people say, but if I do this, and I do a special work, and I go beyond what is required for me, maybe God will love me more. Let me tell you this, God will, cannot, will not love you any more than what, how he loves you now. Why? Because God already loves you 100%. Right? When he loved you, he went all out. He gave all of his love to us. He did not reserve anything for himself. He didn't say, okay, I'll love you, but I'll keep 10% for myself. If you do the great things I told you to do, and I think you're worth it, then I will finally give you the rest. No, he did not hold anything back. He loved us 100%. Nothing we can do right to make him love us more. Nothing we can do wrong to make him love us less. He loves us, period. You understand what I'm saying? So anything that God does, when he, God begins to deal with our lives, understand the underlying motive, the hidden agenda which he is not hiding from us. He's been telling us from beginning to end. The reason God does things for us is because of L-O-V-E. Amen? L-O-V-E. Exclamation point. You understand what I'm saying? So you can trust a God who loves you. I mean, he's for you. He's rooting for you. Bible says God is for you. Because God is for you. Nothing can be against you. Right? Now, he gave his only son. He didn't give his son to us to irritate us. Okay? Jesus Christ says, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And it's, uh, the Greek idea is super abundant. Alright, and Jesus Christ, he says, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. That's what he said. Okay? So we need to understand that the actions of our Father and of Jesus Christ, he came to heal, to bless, to save, to preserve, to deliver, to lift us up, to make our lives better. How can you not love that kind of a life? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, let's go through our gospel today. Let me just read from verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the six hours. Six hours, 12 o'clock noon. Okay? He was in the city of Samaria. Samaria was frowned upon by Jerusalem, by Jews. To, to the Jews, Samaritans were people who were not pure. Okay? Uh, one of the things that God told them one, through the laws of Moses is that if they ever got married, they should only marry among themselves so that the bloodline will be kept pure. But the Samaritans... Uh, married outside of their race. Okay? And so now the Jews think that the Samaritans were tainted. Their blood, their bloodline was contaminated 
they were not pure Jews, and so they were no longer part of the covenant. You understand what I'm saying? And the Samaritans were saying, look guys, we might not be as pure as you, but we still love the same God. So they had their own uh, temple built, they can worship, and there's been always this controversy concerning where you can worship the true God, the temple that the Samaritans built, or the temple where the Jews built, uh, that the Jews built, okay? Now Jesus Christ, and when Jews were traveling, they tried to avoid Samaria. But Jesus Christ did not avoid Samaria. Why did he not avoid Samaria? Because he was showing us there was no one so low or considered too inferior that he's not willing to reach out for. The salvation of God is not only for the elites. The salvation of God is not only for the special. The salvation of God is not only for the privileged. The salvation that he brings to us, the gift that he gives to us, is a gift that he gives to all. You understand what I'm saying? His love is given to all. And he said that, and, and it's 12 o'clock, and noontime, noontime, 12 o'clock, that's supposed to be one of the hottest times, because the sun is right out there. And, you know, when my wife and I, we were there, we couldn't feel this, because it was winter. <laughs> People were writing us, how come you're wearing jackets? The sun is out. Yes, the sun is out. But it was winter. It was very chilly. And so we still needed some jackets. Anyway, but during this particular time, okay, uh, he was sitting down by the well. Jesus Christ was weary. And if you see this picture of Jesus and the well, you normally go to the well because that's where you can get a drink of water. When you're hot, and you're thirsty, you like, you'd like to drink some water, right? And when you're able to drink water when you're hot and perspiring and sweaty and thirsty, and you get a, a drink of water, it refreshes you, it, it renews you. Jesus Christ, by the well, is a symbol for us that he's the one who renews us, who refreshes us when we become weary in life. You understand what I'm saying? While, we, while I was there in, in, in Manila, and I was, uh, you know, I was able to minister to one of the ladies of the people of the king. Uh, this lady was once, you know, uh, he, she, she was active in the ministry, at least for a time. Uh, and and she, she took care of some of the people who did not have much. But during her time, she, she received some news that she has a kind of cancer, and so she was undergoing uh, chemotherapy, okay? And, and you know, the, the, the thoughts in, in her mind, you know, I, we went to her place, and Bishop Ariel and me, we went to her place, and we ministered to her, and she, she was telling us the story of how that she collapsed in the bathroom because of intense pain that she was feeling inside, okay? She said it's like, I was being pricked on the inside, somebody was slicing on the inside, it was an intense pain, and she thought she was going to die, and she was alone in the house, and she fell on the bathroom floor, and she, and she says, I can't die like this, okay? And she was crying out in pain, and, and, and she said, where are you, Lord? I've served you all my life, I need you now, where are you, Lord? And she said, in the dark, she felt two hands grab her hands. 
Okay? And, and, and she said, when, when those hands grabbed me, in my desperation, I grabbed hard because I didn't want to let go. I didn't want that person. I, I didn't know who he was. Okay? I was bent over with pain. But I grabbed those hands and I grabbed, I squeezed hard because I didn't want to let go. And to my astonishment, to my surprise, she said, my fingers went through his palm. There were holes in his palm. Okay? And I didn't have to look up to know who was holding me. There's only one in heaven who has holes in his palm. You understand what I'm saying? And she said at that point in time, there was peace that came over me. She said that there was an assurance that came over me. I'm not going to die today. The fear, the sense of rejection, uh, the sense of being alone and isolated left, she said, when that person held me. Okay, who do you think held her? You, you had to think for three seconds to find out. There's only one. There's only one who was crucified for us. Only one whose crucifixion would matter for all of us. You understand what I'm saying? And we were glad, and you know, I was glad that she, she said that story. It now wasn't hard to minister to her. We prayed for her, and she was in high spirits. And when we left, at least she was not depressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I mean, she was in the midst of that. She was in such a dark place. She didn't know what to do. At least we were able to talk to her. See, sometimes the question comes, how, how is it that I've served the Lord so hard and then this thing happens to me? Is this my reward for serving the Lord? No, that's not the kind of reward God gives to us. But you have to understand something here, that when you are serving God, someone is not happy. It's not your parents. It's not your kids. Okay? Who's the one who's not happy? Lucifer, Satan, the devil. He's not happy when you're serving God. Okay? And maybe that's one of the questions that was coming through her mind. How could he do this to me? So you have to understand, if you're doing good works for God, good works alone will not be the guarantee that he will not. The enemy will not attack you. Okay? What will quench the fiery darts of the enemy? The shield of... That's got to be out. Your faith has got to be in what God has promised you, what God has given to you. It's not, well, you know, I'm doing all these things for God, so I'm protected. You're putting your faith in your works. You have to put your faith in the promises of God. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So I'm glad that we were able to minister to her. And, you know, uh, we were able to uh, leave and she was in high spirits. And that gives us an assurance that she will allow the healing power of God to flow and work in and through her. But see, this is, I'd like to get you that idea. No matter how things become in life, you know, you get married, you kind of find a new job, 
you've got kids, you've got all of these things and all these responsibilities and all these tests and all these trials and coming all together and sometimes you feel weary. You feel tired. What do you do? You run to God. This is not the time to run away from God. This is the time to run to God because He's your friend. He's the one who sticks to you closer than a brother. He's the one who will continue to love you. The one who will continue to take care of you. This is Jesus by the will telling us, I am the source of your renewal. I am the source of your strength. I am the source of refreshing for you. If you become tired, don't look for refreshing in the world. If you become tired, look for refreshing from me. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen? So, we find here Jesus by the well. Now, he was also weary. And uh, it says in verse 6, Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being weird from his journey, sat there. It was 12 o'clock, noontime. Verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Okay, Samaritan woman. And, you know, we, we, we stop at verse 14 here, but if the later verses tell us that she was living with a fifth husband. Okay, so normally the women who would get water from the well, they would either do it early in the morning or they would do it later in the afternoon when the sun was not so hot. And they would do it during a time when they were all there because this was a time for them to fellowship. This was a time for them to talk. Okay, but this one particular woman went there at 12 o'clock when it was too hot and there were no other women there. Why? Probably because of her social status. There were probably people who looked down on her. Okay, probably there were people who talked about her. She's a cheap woman. Okay, girlfriend ng bayan. Something to that effect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, just to avoid stares, uh, mean looks, uh, painful words, she just goes to the well at 12 o'clock when no one seems to be there. No one will bother her. No one will speak badly to her. No one would disturb her. She'll just go about her business, get some water, and go back to where she lived, and no one would bother her. But there was this one person. Stranger, okay, and she didn't mind. She had to do this, and so she goes there. And uh, when when she came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, "How is it with you, being a Jew?" Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay? There were two taboos that Jesus Christ broke at that time. Number one, you, you don't talk to a woman you're not related to. If she's not your mom, if she's not your sister, not your auntie, if she's not your wife, you're a man, you don't talk to that woman in public. That was the culture then. 
Today, we talk to everybody in public, we don't even know them. We have chats, right? I mean, that, during that time, this was simply not done. And secondly, you know, and then this, this woman was not bothered with that. She's had many boyfriends. She has a fifth husband right now, so a man talking to her was not something that was shocking. I mean, she was not uh, one of the conservatives who studied in a school that was run by nuns. And when a man talked to her, she said, you're not supposed to talk to me. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. She, she doesn't get shocked like that. I mean, talking to men. It's not, you know, shocking for her. I mean, she's got more scandalous uh, relationships. So that didn't bother her. But what was puzzling to her, he said, ah, I can see from how you're dressed up, you're a Jew. Okay? And I'm a Samaritan. Uh, I know the Jews and Samaritans, they don't talk. I know Jews would rather die thirsty rather than ask me a Samaritan for some water. Why are you talking to me? Okay? See, again, the love of Jesus is not just given for uh, the people who do the right things, the graduates, PhDs, the degree holders, people who've got to have their stuff together. He doesn't just talk to the ones who are excelling in life. He doesn't just talk to the champions in life, to the OICs, uh, to the CEOs, to the presidents, uh, uh, to the prime ministers. He doesn't just talk to the high and the mighty, the movers and the shakers. He talks to everyone. He talks to the downtrodden. He talked to me, a college dropout. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? His salvation is for everyone. And there should never, ever, ever be any kind of hesitation from any of us to be able to come to him. The only reason sometimes we hesitate, we don't realize that God's love for us and what his love offers us is a gift that God gives to us. If we don't realize it's a gift, we won't, we won't acknowledge it. If we don't realize that this life that he's given us is a gift, I mean, think about this. What kind of a life that we are living right now? Okay? I mean, I can go around praising God, knowing he's there. The greater one is in me. The Father is watching over me. Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me. I'm surrounded by hosts of angels. And when I pray, heaven moves. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not just limited to praying for my own needs. I can pray for our own nation. I can pray for our president. I can pray for the president of the United States. I can pray for what's going on in Russia, what's going on in the Middle East right now. I can pray, and I know that God will send warrior angels. I mean, when I heard the news of this Islamic extremist kidnapping women, making them sex slaves, it just kind of grieved me so much. 
has said, Lord, send your holy angels and rescue them. I may never know them, but they're part of the family that we're in. And after about seven or eight months, I hear people testifying of rescues being taken place, of doors suddenly opening, of people having visions go this way and escaping. You understand what I'm saying? I know I'm not the only one praying, but it's such a powerful life to know that when you speak and you've got God's ears, you can change the course of events. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are not a helpless uh, spectator or watcher of events. And you're saying, we can't do anything about this. What's going to happen will happen. No, you can join the fray and pray and change how things will turn out. You understand what I'm saying? How can I not love this life? Okay? And I can pray for things to be done. And so far, what we've, we've, we've written down are faith goals. We're thinking, we've got to come up with new faith goals. Everything's been achieved. Okay? I mean, God just grants favor after favor. Hello? And it's not just me. I keep telling you. It's also you. God didn't do this for me because I'm more special than you. No. God did it for me because he did it for everyone. If he did it for everyone, then I can claim a piece of the pie. And I'm teaching you how to claim that piece of the pie. Amen? You're learning something from this. Okay. Okay, better hurry up now. I've got about a few minutes, five minutes, I guess. Go to the second part. We must receive his gift to benefit from it. Let me just read verse 10, verse 14. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who he says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. In other words, if you only knew the gift of God, and who the one you're talking to, you won't argue theology with me. <laughs> uh, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you know. Uh, why are you talking to me? Isn't it that we're here because this is where we're supposed to worship? You guys are supposed uh, He says, look, let's just avoid all of these discussions. If you only knew the gift and the one you're talking to, you just ask. No more discussion, no more complaint, no more, okay? The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then will you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ is saying, if you receive this life, it will become in you a fountain of living water. It will keep producing for the rest of your life. It will never dry up. That's what he's saying. Okay? Uh, the woman is talking about natural water. And, and Jesus Christ says, well, yeah, you know, that can quench your thirst. After a few, after a few hours, you'll be thirsty again. But if you take 
this water and drink from it. What's Jesus Christ saying? I'm giving this to a lot of people, but they refuse to drink from it. Or they're not drinking from it. It's not going to benefit them if they don't use the gift that I have given them. Okay? One of the reasons why he already says, if you only knew, some people don't know. It was the prophet Isaiah who said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Because they don't know I'm their deliverer. They don't come to me to be delivered. They would rather think that I was the one who gave them that problem. Because they don't know I'm their healer. They don't know that they can come to me and get healing from me. They think I'm the one who gave them that sickness. Because they don't know I'm their helper. They don't come to me. Okay? Sometimes they feel bad against me. They're offended with me because somehow in their minds they think I'm the one who gave them their problems. And they ask me, God, why are you doing this to me? And I didn't do it to them. You understand what I'm saying? I'm the one who wants to help them. I'm the one who wants to answer the prayers, but they won't even pray. Or if they pray, they're not really sure if I'm going to help them or not. You understand what I'm saying? When I was there, we were having dinner, and my wife and I with some people at the church. <coughs> While we were having dinner, uh, one of the ladies received a text. It was from uh, a deacon of their church. Apparently what happened was his wife was found with uh, second level cancer <clears throat> and so they brought her to the hospital and somehow things become became kind of complicated and she wasn't eating she was vomiting all the time and so the deacon the husband had his hands full with the wife and while he's dealing with the wife suddenly one of his kids develops a swollen uh, face I think it's got something to do with his teeth and it becomes swollen and, 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 and in his pain, it's got pain there. So now he's got to take care of the wife and take care of the kids. And because this kid, you know, she, she's in pain, she's crying. Okay, she's got to take care of that. But then one of his kids also stepped on a nail. Okay, stepped on the nail. And uh, kind of limping. So now you got the wife in the hospital with cancer, you've got one of his kids with a swollen face, and suddenly this guy steps on the nail, and there's a threat of tetanus, right? And they need to be able to travel back and forth, but he found out that one of his kids left the keys of the car inside the car. Right? And he's frustrated. When I met with him, I asked him how he was. He said, well, I'm kind of really worn out. I'm just not happy. Okay? Now, this guy is a smart guy. He has, you know, he studies certain types of theology. If you 
experience something like, I mean, you know, if I just told you the story like that. What are you thinking? What's your impression that's going on? He's under attack, right? That's what, when I'm hearing that, this guy is under attack. I recognize the pattern. You guys probably recognize the pattern. And you know how we're going to pray for that, right? We're going to bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask God to release his angels to them. We're going to pray for them, right? But he doesn't have an idea that that's what's going on. It's just that when things become wrong, wall begins to really bore. It's just a set of circumstances that happens to them, and they really don't know what's going on, and maybe some of them are thinking, why is God doing this to me? You, you understand what I'm saying? And I was talking to one of my fellow bishops and saying, they've got to teach the people this so that they are able to defend themselves against these songs of the Okay? The gift has been given. The weapons by which we can do warfare, defend ourselves and our families, they've been given to us. But if we don't know about them, or we know about them, but and then don't use them, then we're not going to benefit from them. I mean, some people have the gift of tongues and they know they should pray in tongues. They don't pray in tongues. Some people know that they've got to confess the word of God because Jesus Christ says, whosoever shall say, not doubt, will have whatever he says. They don't do it because it feels ridiculous. But the thing is this. If you don't do what God says for you to do, how can you benefit from the powers of the kingdom of God? Amen? Uh, uh, James says it this way. You have not because you ask not. Someone's always trying to be super intellectual. Well, you know what the Bible says? God knows my need. If he's God, he knows this. Why should I even pray and ask if God already knows my problems? Sounds very religious, sounds very smart, sounds scholastically informed. Why do we have to pray? God already knows we have problems. Because Jesus said, ask! Right? We don't have to complicate it. If he said pray, so we'll pray. But God already saw what he said, pray. So I'm praying. I'm going to ask. I'm not going to be smarter than God. Can't be smarter than God. We understand what I'm saying. Some people never benefit from the gifts God's given them because they don't really care to know what these things are. The Word of God bores them. I don't know why. It gives you life. It gives you the tools to overcome. It helps you to have that uh, uh, overcoming spirit. I mean, I love the Word of God. I love getting into this. I love learning, reading. I love confessing this. I learned it's not just something that you do to become religious. Why are you reading the Bible? Because I'm a pastor. Because I'm a preacher. Well, I'm reading it to find out what God's heart is. I'm reading it because I'm learning to hear God's voice through His Word. I'm reading it because I'm holding on to the promise of God so that the enemy cannot bully me. You understand what I'm saying? 
See, if we only knew the gift of God, sometimes we do. But some people don't get involved in this because they think it's corny, it's boring, not too exciting. They really don't love it. I mean, if you love something, you, you want to read about it, you want to get engaged in it, you want to watch it, okay? You want to get involved with it as often as you can and read about it, know everything about it because you love something, right? Right? Get to love the God who loves you. Okay? And get to love. He says, forget not his benefits. Benefits are there. But you need to be able to operate the way he says for you to operate. Amen? And if you learn something this day, praise God, let's all stand together and, and let us proclaim the faith of our church. The church we are part of.